want to start out by looking forward to next week, or at least you should be looking forward to next week, because I won't be preaching next week. Curtis will be, so you'll get a new voice. Um, Kathy and I, as well as 23 other couples from Netherwood, will be up in Durango for our annual couples retreat. So we'll be up there having a good time. You'll be here having a good time with Curtis, so be looking forward to that. Also, I want to take just a moment to thank you for your response to this year's theme. We're starting our second month of the new year, and I have to tell you, your response has been incredible to our 2018 theme, which is getting out of the boat, living uncomfortably. I also want to thank you for participating in the weekly uncomfortable challenges we've been having And I want to thank you for sending me suggestions for challenges in the future. And I want to encourage you, as you you think of new challenges that we might have, please continue to send those to me. We're going to do one every week during this year. Curtis will have one for you next week. So please keep sending those to me. Uh, This week's challenge was to buy a gift card or two or three or four or however many to a fast food place. Uh, Bring it today, drop it in the collection plate or drop it in one of the prayer collection boxes. We're going to take those cards. We're going to keep them together and then hand them out to our elders and others who go visit people who are in the hospital, families who have loved ones in the hospital, especially for extended period of time so that they can use those gift cards to feed their families during those very difficult times. Um, I know that you've responded very well. I know that because I know you very well. So I know that you've responded generously And we'll be sending out an email sometime this coming week letting you know just how generous you have been in this challenge. So that was challenge number five. I'll be listening for challenge number six at the end of today's sermon. We'll have something that won't be quite as comfortable as this challenge. Well, today we're continuing in our sermon series from the book of Romans. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome We'll be in Romans chapter 6, so this will be a great time to grab your Bibles and turn there. Romans chapter 6. And as we move through Romans in this series, I don't want us to forget that this is a letter that is focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's focused on the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. That occupies center stage in this letter. And it occupies center stage in this letter because it occupies center stage in Paul's life. Every word that Paul writes, every argument that Paul presents, every decision that Paul makes is a direct result of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because Paul is that way, we know how Paul was probably treated, don't we? We know that people like Paul get labeled. They get labeled as zealots. They get identified as Jesus freaks. They make people who don't share their passion very uncomfortable. And people often wish that people like Paul would just tone it down a little bit. Or maybe just shut up. But as we read Paul's letters, we know that Paul isn't one to tone it down and Paul isn't one to shut up. If you're going to be around Paul, you're going to be around the gospel. That's his identity. So Paul isn't about to apologize for his passion for the gospel of Christ. That's why early in his letter he wrote these words. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And you know, I think deep down we all want to be like Paul. 
We want to stand with Paul. When it comes to the gospel, we don't want to be people who tone it down. We certainly don't want to be people who shut up, even if that makes others or even if it makes us uncomfortable. So to help remind us that we do stand with Paul, let's once more boldly and proudly and loudly affirm those words that Paul wrote as our own words. If you would, just simply repeat after me. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God. For the salvation of everyone who believes. And the church says, Amen. Amen. Well, last week, as we were in the first part of the sixth chapter of Romans, we saw Paul answer an all too human question. Paul, in his letter, has just presented the beauty and the majesty and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's just told this audience that God has looked down on us, He's looked down on His sinful and lost children. He's told them how in love and mercy God did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He rescued us. He sent his son. He sent Jesus Christ as the perfect sacrifice. He sent him to give us the perfect gift of grace. He sent Jesus to justify us and reconcile us and save us. Paul's presented that beautiful message, but Paul knows. He knows from sad experience that some of us are going to respond to this beautiful story of God's grace, his saving grace, going to respond not with humility, not with praise, not with worship. We're going to respond with questions. Questions like the one that Paul gives us in the very first part of chapter 6, where Paul writes, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Paul, if being good doesn't save us, why should we be good? If works don't buy us salvation, why should we work? If grace is going to cover all of our sins, then why should we even stop sinning? If grace is such a good thing, shouldn't we just go on sinning so there'll be more and more grace, more and more of this good thing? And last week we heard Paul respond very forcefully and very emotionally. He says, by no means. Or as my favorite translation says, what a ghastly thought. Paul says, you don't go on sinning. You don't do that. You don't do it because that's no longer who you are. You don't go on sinning because now your identity has changed. You've been joined with Christ in baptism. You've been clothed with Christ. Paul says you died to sin. And you've been set free to sin no more. You have a new identity. And because you have a new identity, Paul says in verse 14, he says sin will no longer be your master. Because you're no longer under law, you're now under grace. So Paul, why not sin more so that there will be more grace? Paul says, because sin is no longer your master, because you're not under the law, now you are under grace. And that's a great answer, isn't it? We don't increase our sin because we're no longer mastered by sin. 
We're no longer covered by the law. We're instead covered. We're clothed with grace. But if you listen carefully, you can almost hear the mental wheels turning. And those wheels are turning because another ghastly thought has occurred. Another question has come up. And that question goes like this, Romans 6.15. Well, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Do you hear those wheels turning? So Paul, let's, let's make this really clear. I get it now. Giving full license to sin. Giving free reign to my sinful appetites. Growing my sin so God's grace will grow. That is a pretty ghastly thought. I have to admit, that's a pretty ridiculous argument. But how about this? I think you'll like this one better. Instead of giving free reign to my sin, how about if I just play footsies with sin? I mean, you said yourself that we're no longer under the law. We're now covered with grace. So what if we engage in just a little bit of sin? Maybe just a little idol worship. Maybe just occasionally take God's name in vain. Surely just a couple of one-night stands will be okay. Maybe a, a lie here and there. Maybe cheat just a little bit on my taxes. I mean, come on, Paul. If we aren't under law, aren't we free to ignore the law? Isn't that really the good news of grace? Well, since we know Paul, we're not surprised by his short and emotional answer. Once more, he says, by no means. What a ghastly thought. Just because sin is no longer your master doesn't mean that sin can now be your friend. You weren't set free by God so you could give free reign to your sin, and you weren't set free by God so you could play footsies with sin. No, you were set free from the slavery of sin so that you can have a new master. That's Paul's short answer. In his long answer, we're going to hear Paul tell us that there are really only two choices for us and for every person. And the choices aren't between being a slave or not being a slave. Paul's going to tell us that we are and always will be slaves. Now the question is, who or what is going to be our master? Paul's going to tell us we can either choose to be a slave to sin, or we can choose to be a slave to obedience and a slave to righteousness. We can choose to be a slave to God. And Paul's going to tell us that we can't be neither. He's going to tell us that we have to choose. So we're going to have to choose between the two, either slavery to sin or slavery to God. But Paul's also going to tell us that we can't be both. He's going to echo Jesus and say, you can't have two masters. You can't be slaves to God and be slaves to sin. He's also going to show us that if we're a slave of God, sin can't be our friend. Now, slaves of God don't even play footsies with sin. So let's listen to Paul, verse 16. Paul says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or slaves to obedience, 
which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God. Good news. Though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin. and You've become slaves to righteousness. Paul's given us good news. In fact, Paul is giving us a good news and yet even better news story. And it's all about who we now are. It's about our new identities. See, Paul is saying while your wheels are turning, while you're coming up with questions to ask, while you're trying to figure out a way to play footsies with sin, you're missing something. You seem to be missing the good news, and you certainly are missing the even better news. Paul says you're missing the good news that when you wholeheartedly obeyed the gospel truth, when you joined with Jesus' death in the water of baptism, things changed. You left behind your identity as a slave to sin. So the good news is that's no longer who you are. Sin is not your master. Sin no longer has control. You aren't sin's slave. That's good news. Paul says that's the good news, but there's even better news. The better news is you have a new identity, and that new identity is as a slave of God. But I imagine there's some wheels turning as Paul says that. Now hold on, Paul. The good news is I'm no longer a slave. I can buy into that. But the better news is is that I'm still a slave How can being a slave ever be good news? Not having a master, having freedom, that sounds like good news. But being a slave, how can that be good news? How can slavery ever be great news? Paul's answer is really quite simple. Paul says it isn't slavery that makes the news good or makes the news bad. Because everyone's a slave. What makes the news good or bad is who or what you are enslaved to. The quality of the news depends on the qualities of your master. So let's listen as Paul describes the qualities of our two potential masters. Let's listen as Paul tells us about good news and as Paul tells us about even better news. It's a Good news, better news story. Continuing in verse 19, Paul says, I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now, now you have been set free from sin and you have become slaves to God. And the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. And for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a good news and even better news story. 
Paul says the good news is you've been set free from that old master, from your old master sin. And he says the even better news is your new master is the God of the universe. Your new master is the God of the gospel. Paul says the good news is you're no longer enslaved to master sin. And that's good news because that's an identity that only brings shame. It only brings death. Paul says the better news is you're now enslaved to God. And that's an identity that brings sanctification. It's an identity that brings life. It's an identity as one who's been set apart by God to live for God and live with God. Paul says there's good news. Good news is you're no longer enslaved to master sin. And that's good news because master sin is one who can be counted on to pay his slaves the wages they have earned. The wages they have earned are death. And Paul says the better news is you are now enslaved to master God. The master who can be counted on to give gifts. Instead of paying his slaves the wages that they earn, he instead gives them the gifts they could never earn. Paul says it's good news that you're no longer enslaved to master sin because that's an enslavement that sends its slaves on this downward spiral, ever-increasing wickedness. They become more and more like their master. Paul says the even better news is you're enslaved to master God. And that's an enslavement that sends his slaves on an upward spiral of ever-increasing holiness as they become more and more like their master. It's good news that you're no longer enslaved to master sin. Because that's an enslavement that results in brokenness and despair in this life. And it's an enslavement that results in eternal life. In the life to come, when you receive the wages, the wages you have earned. See, it's better news that you are enslaved now to God. That's an enslavement that results in abundance of life now. And an eternal life of joy when God gives you the gift that you could never earn. That's the tale of the two masters. And it's the answer to why we don't give ourselves over to sin. And it's the answer to why we don't even play footsies with sin. It's why sin can't even be our friend. Why not go on sinning? Why not ignore the law? Why obey the God of grace and mercy? And Paul says, because that's who you are. That's your identity. You're a slave of God, and that's what slaves do. Slaves obey their master. Obedience is the hallmark of slavery. Slaves obey their master. Slaves to sin obey master sin. And slaves to God, slaves to righteousness, obey their master. They obey God. And Paul wants us to know that we can't argue, we can't claim that God is our master while at the same time refusing to obey him. 
See, if we refuse to obey God, then he's not our master. If we refuse to obey God, we're choosing a different master. See, we haven't been set free from sin to just ignore the law. We haven't been set free from sin to be friends with sin. We've been set free from sin to obey our new master. So we don't obey God's law in order to be saved. Instead, we obey God and we obey his laws because we are his slaves. Because we're the slaves of the one who saves. We obey God because that's our identity. That's who we are. We are obedient slaves of the God of grace. And there's another reason why we obey There's another reason why we obey our master, because our master delights in his children when they are obedient. Samuel told King Saul this. He said, the Lord, he says, your master delights when his children, when his slaves, when his servants obey his voice. Think about that for a minute. Your master, your God delights in your obedience. What an awesome thought that is. What an awesome God we have that he delights in our obedience. We have a God who delights in our obedience. We have a master who has set us apart and who has given us life. We have a Lord who gives us gifts that we could never earn. We have a king who's given us abundant life now and an eternal life to come. We have a new master. Our master is the one who sent his one and only son to rescue us from our old master. From our old master sin. No wonder Paul isn't ashamed of the gospel. And no wonder Paul isn't ashamed to be called a slave, a slave of God. And may we follow in the steps of our brother Paul and be slaves of God. Let's pray. Father, you have set us free. Father, not free to do whatever we wish. Not free to give full reign to our sin. Not free to be a friend of sin. But Father, you have set us free to be obedient obedient to you, the one who loves us, the one who sanctifies us, the one who rescues us, the one who calls us into a relationship, Father, where the thought of sin is repulsive to us, and the thought of obedience so that we can bring you delight, Father, should fill us with great delight. Help us to be those kind of slaves. Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Uncomfortable challenge number six. This week's challenge was sort of comfortable, actually. It's not too hard to go out and buy some gift cards and bring them to church. This challenge is going to be more uncomfortable. As I was leading up to this challenge, I was reminded repeatedly of how uncomfortable it's going to be because I was trying to do the challenge before this day and I found it really difficult to do. 
I found it difficult to do this morning as I was driving down the interstate in a black Jeep with Texas plates almost ran me over. I found it difficult to be kind. And this is going to be a kindness challenge. Our challenge this week is to work very hard at not saying anything unkind about any person or any group of persons. No unkind words about any person or any group of persons. And yes, that does include elected officials. (laughs) That does include Texans driving black Jeeps. It does include fans of the, of the uh, who's playing this week? The Patriots and the fans of the Eagles. No unkind words about anyone or any group of people. Starting now. And I want you to keep these words in mind as you accept this challenge this week. As God's chosen people, as God's slaves... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Step out of the boat with new clothes. And those clothes are compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Step out of the boat and leave no doubt whose slave you are. Let's love each other in the same way our Lord and Master loves us. We're going to end by standing and singing about that kind of love. So everybody, please go ahead and stand up. I'm standing basically in the middle of the auditorium. Everybody to my left, please turn and face that way. Everybody to my right, please turn and face that way. And let's sing about the love that we have for each other, the love that we have for our fellow slaves. Let's sing.